Welcome to episode two of Post to Post Training. I'm your host, Alex Oshinsky. This week's guest is my good buddy, John Weeks. John has studied nine different forms of martial arts, including Kung Fu, which he started at the age of eight, uh, six. He is also the owner of Tough Temple CrossFit Gym. John, glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How'd you get involved with uh, Kung Fu and, and martial arts? Well, I started Kung Fu uh, when I was very young because I was a hyperactive kid and I was watching my brother uh, who started in Kung Fu a little bit before me and watching him train uh, got me interested and I kind of just never looked back. Started um, with the Kung Fu training at age six and kept that up all through uh, up until my 30s and kind of brought broadened my knowledge base from there, went into more general forms of fitness and things like that, but I've always been a physically active person. And what about the uh, CrossFit gym? So that was uh, kind of a natural progression for me. So, you know, I was doing a lot of boxing and MMA type training throughout my 20s, fought competitively a little bit, and got to the point where I had accumulated some injuries, kind of stepped back from competing and fighting. And I was training myself and training other fighters, doing a lot of mitt work training and things like that. So I wanted to come up with some training modalities for cross training, um, developing more power, you know, that type of thing. And it kind of naturally led me into more resistance-based training. And that kind of evolved into CrossFit training. And once I got into CrossFit, I kind of loved the variety of it. I loved the amount of technique that was involved. That kind of um, was very familiar to me with the martial arts training. So I had an appreciation for things like the Olympic lifts and the gymnastics movement and just how physically rigorous and challenging it was. So as soon as I started, I fell in love with it. Awesome. Um, So going back to the martial arts, Tell us a little bit about the different forms that you've studied. So I see here that they're about nine. Yeah, so I started in Shaolin Kung Fu, and uh, the majority of my martial arts training uh, came from the same lineage of teachers. And most of the styles that I learned when I was younger were, you know, very physically demanding, very acrobatic type thing. Um, so I did the Kung Fu and kind of evolved into more internal arts as I got older. So in the Chinese style of, uh, you know, you'll start with external systems like Kung Fu, and then you might kind of go into things like Tai Chi and Xing Yi and Bagua, which are uh, three different internal arts in the Chinese system. So I started studying those more in my 20s. Um, in my late teens, I kind of started broadening my training just for, you know, combat side of things. So I started doing more boxing and Muay Thai just to kind of increase the amount of uh, kind of uh, training I had for fighting because I was competing in those in those days. And, you know, the, all of those things kind of complement each other. If you talk to somebody that's done martial arts for a long time, you can kind of draw out a lot of the principle of these different systems. So even though they have different backgrounds or they might come from different areas, 
lot of the principles are very similar or even the same. So that was one of the things that I really enjoyed was kind of finding the commonalities between all those different systems. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your time spent competing. Well, so I, I fought um, full contact fighting in my teens um, and then got a little bit into MMA uh, during my late teens, early 20s. And this was back before MMA was as popular as it is now. So there wasn't really a lot of uh, local support for it. There wasn't really a lot of money in it. So it was, you had to do it more for the love of it. And we always had a very, um, you know, tough kind of system coming up in the training that I did. It was a very old school kind of monastic tradition for Kung Fu. And we did a lot of sparring with no protective equipment at all. So you would you know, learn how to fight uh, bare knuckle and you would learn how to defend uh, without all the extra padding and things like that. Not to say those things aren't bad. It's good to protect, you know, people that are coming up in the sport, but we, we trained very kind of old school back then. And a lot of people that came up in MMA back in those early days, I think, trained very similarly. They, they kind of did a lot of conditioning on their knuckles. They did all that kind of stuff um, to kind of toughen up the body. And I basically competed, uh, you know, throughout my late teens, early 20s. And I had a couple of injuries that I had accumulated over time, uh, some things with my ankle, my knee. Uh, and at some point, I actually broke my back. I'm not exactly sure when that happened. Um, it was diagnosed many years later. And, um, you know, I kind of had intermittent back pain throughout my 20s, which kind of led me to doing more of the physical fitness and rehab and type stuff that kind of naturally progressed me into that. So I kind of didn't have a prolific fight career, but it was, uh, it was fun while it lasted, and I enjoyed it very much. Definitely missed uh, getting in there and, and scrapping a little bit. Yeah, injuries uh, are definitely tricky. Uh, especially recovering, and I definitely want to touch on that a little bit later. Um, you know, my, my interest in uh, sports psychology and sports counseling stems from the the injuries I've faced uh, playing rugby and uh, soccer. Um, nothing as severe as a broken back, but um, yeah. Uh, it's definitely tough. Yeah, when you're, when you're used to being able to do certain things and not being able to do them anymore and having to find ways to work around and, and rehab, it's, it's challenging. But it's definitely very educational at the same time. Very much so. And that leads me into the next question, which would be, um, on a mental side, what does it take to excel in martial arts? I think really... Uh, with martial arts and with really any physical culture, consistency is really the number one thing. Um, you know, when I when I started training at the age of six, I was kind of immediately in love with it, and I was able to continue to train probably an average of four to five days a week, all the way up through, you know, my my teens, and that made a huge difference, I think, in my progress. Um, but the, the martial arts specifically, there's kind of a, a very unique balance of mental and physical discipline that's there. 
Um, and with the type of training that I was doing, there was a lot of meditation. Uh, there was a lot of philosophy, uh, a lot of, you know, kind of the old school stuff that you'd see in Kung Fu movies, you know, tea ceremonies and things like that. So there was a lot of um, nuance to it. It wasn't just, you know, going into the gym and just beating yourself down for hours and hours and hours every day. Um, so I think all of that stuff kind of coalesced into it being very sustainable for me over the long term and it developing a level of mental resiliency that I've been able to apply to pretty much every facet of my life um, since then. And I think if you just train for the physical side of things, uh, it's hard to sustain. At some point, you're going to hit a mental block. Uh, or, you know, if you're in competitive athletics and you're used to being the best and then all of a sudden you're thrown into a, a bigger pond and you're against people that have been doing the same thing as you all their life and all of a sudden you have some real competition, it really is a, a change of pace that a lot of people, I think, mentally are not ready for. Um, but that kind of mental resiliency, that kind of growth mindset that you need to have uh, may or may not be there depending on how you were coached. So I think having a, a right coach or a mentor is, is supremely important as well. And you were able to stay focused on the tea ceremonies and, and the philosophy at, at the age of six? No. So, you know, some of that was over my head early on, uh, for sure. But I also think that, you know, my teachers were smart in the sense that they would expose you to the right things at the right time. So, you know, when you were younger, it was more about, you know, the physical form and making it engaging, making it fun, uh, really encouraging consistency, right? They wanted to be, be able to see you four to five days a week. Uh, that way you'll, you'll continue to make progress. And then as you kind of get a little bit more mature in the art, get a little bit more understanding underneath you, uh, they would expose you to kind of deeper levels of, of meaning for certain things. And I think that's true really with anything. Like if you watch, uh, you know, football, for example, you know, there's people that have been playing football their entire life. They can look at how the teams are lined up and know exactly what type of play is probably coming down the pipe next because they understand the nuances of it in a way that people that are, you know, more beginners don't necessarily understand. So that kind of level of maturity of your understanding and then being provided with the next level of information that kind of matches where you're at, I think is very important. I, I could, couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, uh, I play uh, soccer socially at this point and, might not be the, the fastest or the strongest player on the field anymore, but we're definitely some of the smarter players on the field. Um, so we can, we can hold our own against some of the, the younger teams out there just because we have a better understanding of what might be uh, happening or what, what might happen in the near future. Absolutely. Um, but I was going to say, you know, if you had learned the tea ceremonies at six, that would have been extremely um, impressive, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So, um, now we talked a little bit about your injuries. Uh, let's elaborate on them. You said broken back, ankle. Um, were these all competing or just wear and tear? 
some of it was wear and tear. Um, I broke my ankle in three places when I was in middle school. I was actually playing football. Um, so that affected basically everything else that I was able to do uh, for quite a while because I wasn't really able to pivot on that foot properly uh, for quite some time. I never really did uh, structured rehab for that. It was mostly just back to martial arts training, lots of stretching, lots of balance work, um, just associated with my you know practice of the martial arts. But the um, broken back was a compression fracture. Uh, I expect it was probably from you know, getting getting thrown and kind of dumped on my head and bent in half, uh, you know, during like a wrestling practice or something like that, and uh, just from the weight of it. And, you know, I was lucky in the sense that that type of fracture, you, you don't really have a lot of nerve endings in the particular area where I got it, so I didn't really feel like I had broken my back. Um, and it wasn't really a pain that kept me from being able to do a lot of things. It wasn't until maybe five, six years later, I was actually training a client, and I went to pick up some dumbbells just to hand to him, and uh, my back went out, and I was on the floor and, and couldn't move. And uh, at that point, I had developed some connections in the fitness community. I had you know, people that I could go see and got it diagnosed. And basically, my L5 is, is like gravel. It's broken in several places, and it never really will heal. So I've had to do a lot of strength training around it to strengthen uh, all of the musculature that keeps it in place. And that has been very educational for me. Uh, I learned a lot about my own anatomy and I've learned a lot about, you know, what things are conducive to, you know, keeping that healthy, what things are, uh, you know, going to set it off. And I've had to kind of embrace a, a combination of working around it and also directly strengthening it uh, so that I'm able to do all the things that I can do now. But it actually, it's funny because I didn't really get heavily into strength training, uh, especially like powerlifting and Olympic lifting until after that injury. Um, and actually after diagnosing that injury is when I started getting even more into that type of strength training. And I've never been able, you know, I've never really been stronger in my life than I was until after that injury. So it, it just goes to show that even with injuries, you can continue to, to improve. You just have to, you know, be smart with how you take on your training. And that's an ex excellent point. Um, you know, I've always looked at my injuries uh, and thought to myself, it's not a matter of if I get back out there, it's a matter of when I get back out there. Um, so what kind of mentality did you have post-injury and towards recovery? You said the ankle was broken in three spots and you couldn't pivot on it. Mm -hmm. um, how, what was your mentality when you injured it and how did that shift uh, during recovery? Yeah, it's... Um... It's interesting. I think some of it's a product of age too. The the ankle injury happened when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, you know. So I was climbing the walls quite a bit, you know. I had to go up and down uh, stairs on crutches, and you know, it, it was definitely uh, mentally pretty taxing to be in like a public school environment with that type of injury. I had a cast on for I think close to six months. Uh, 
because it took a while for that to heal properly. And, you know, that, that was, that was a tough one, but at the same time, I was a pretty introverted kid outside of my martial arts training. Um, so I was able to enjoy a lot of things that didn't really involve a lot of physical activity as well, which was nice. I took a break from, uh, martial arts during that time for probably six to eight months, I'd say. And that's probably the only time in my life up until, you know, now that I really didn't do any type of physical training for a long time. And that was, it was refreshing in a way, but I remember when I started back, it was, uh, you know, like a fish to water again. Like I just took right off again because it was uh, something that I had missed during that time away. With the um, back injury and other, you know, uh, little things that I've been dealing with uh, later in life, it's been a little bit more, like you're saying, not if I get back, but when I get back. Um, I've definitely had had it in my mind that, like, this too shall pass, whatever it is, come up with a plan and implement that and just being patient with it. My most recent challenge has actually been uh, last year I went through surgery. I was diagnosed with melanoma. Um, I had surgery, and I've been on chemo since then. And that has been interesting because I went from being probably the strongest I've ever been in my life at like the age of 38, 39, uh, to, you know, losing 20 pounds. Uh, I've got some nerve related issues with my shoulder from where some of the incision work was done. Um, and I've had to really accept that I might not get back to the same numbers that I was hitting before. And that's been, uh, uniquely challenging, but at the same time, uh, kind of liberating because I'm not chasing that. I'm really chasing just being healthy and being able to move my body the way that I want to and kind of letting go of the attachment to, you know, what the numbers I'm putting up are versus what I've done before and just really enjoying the process of, of getting myself healthy again has been uh, rejuvenating in a way. It's been, it's been interesting. I'm so sorry to hear about the melanoma uh, diagnosis. I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better uh i see your facebook videos um almost every day of of you lifting and hitting new personal records so it's definitely uplifting to see that in the face of all the adversity you're still able to uh work and compete and get stronger and get better um and i can definitely understand how mentally taxing that would be um do you have any advice for uh getting over or pushing through something like that uh meditation is definitely key for me um and you know when i think when people hear meditation they kind of have their own idea of what that means but for me it was really finding um ways to process you know, all the information that was coming at me and, you know, center myself and really just getting to a point where I could take each day as it came. You know, I, I kind of asked myself each day at the end of the day as I'm going to bed, did I do everything I could do today to make myself healthier and happier? And there are days when that's definitely not the case, right? There are days where I just have a bad day and it's like, nope, 
today was not a good day, but kind of taking each day as it comes and not attaching myself too much to the previous day and just, you know, taking on each new day as it comes and, and really trying to live up to that challenge of, okay, I'm going to do everything I can today to be better. And that's been everything from, you know, my eating habits, uh, training a little bit differently, uh, really trying to engage my interpersonal relationships more, uh, you know, allowing myself to be probably more vulnerable than I ever have been because I've always been a very stoic person. Um, so letting people kind of inside a little bit more than I have before. And all of that stuff kind of has coalesced into, honestly, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life um, with the health concerns and the scares and things like that. I don't know anything for sure, for sure or for certain, but um, it's given me an appreciation of now, right, that I probably didn't have before, or at least not to this level, just being completely present and focusing on the things that I have control over and letting go of the things that I don't. You know, I can't help, uh, you know, what my diagnosis was. I can't help if this thing is going to relapse or not, but I can definitely take control of the tangibles that I have some level of influence over and just focus on those. A hundred percent agree. You can only control so much. Control the controllables. And that's yourself. You talked a little bit about um, reflecting on the day at, uh, at the end of the day, how the day went. Do you start the day with, with a, a mindset or a plan of how you want to attack it, or do you just reflect on it at the end of the day? Um, I definitely start the day with an idea of what I'm going to do. Um, actually, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, even before I get out of bed, is I do some breath work. Um, lately, I've been doing uh, Wim Hof breathing, which is, which is very interesting, kind of a type of hyperventilation with some prolonged breath holds um, on the exhale. And at the end of that, you're very, uh, you're very primed. You have a lot of energy. You're very relaxed at the same time. It's very interesting. So I'll lay there for 10, 15 minutes afterwards, and that's where I kind of sort out in my mind uh, you know, what my goals are for the day, what I want to get done. And, you know, it, as working as kind of intrinsically with my business as I do, my personal life and my business are very uh, closely linked. So a lot of my personal identity, a lot of my meaning comes from my work. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. So trying to find that right balance between working hard towards things that are meaningful to me and also allowing myself time, uh, you know, for family, time for just rest and relaxation and taking care of my health. Uh, striking that balance is a little bit difficult at times, but that's been something I've worked a lot on in the last year to uh, kind of bring that pendulum back a little bit more towards being a little bit more selfish with my own needs when I need to be. Yeah, you, you can't help anybody else before you help yourself. Absolutely. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about the CrossFit gym. Um, so you are the owner. What else 
goes into the gym. <laughs> yeah, what what else doesn't what else doesn't go into the gym? Um, talk to any small business owner, and you know they'll probably tell you you could work nine to five and work forty hours for somebody else, or you can go to business for yourself and work eighty hours, right? So it's uh it's definitely challenging, um, but it's a, it's a it's a labor of love for sure for me. So my duties at the gym um, are a combination of coaching programming, uh, regular maintenance things around the gym, cleaning around the gym. Uh, I've gotten very good at odds and ends and, and building things and organizing things. And you know, there probably isn't a tool at Home Depot that I haven't tried at least once, just trying to save some money and do work myself. So it's, it's been very um, expounding on my knowledge base, which has been great. But the majority of my time at the gym is spent coaching. Um, and not just coaching members, but also coaching other coaches. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. That's what first kind of made me fall in love with it was seeing uh, how much impact you can have on a person um, through this type of training. And it, it harkens back to my martial arts days too, where, you know, I look at uh, the people that mentored me back in, in those days uh, really had a very deep, profound impact on my life. And I want to pass, pass that along as best I can to the next generation. So through the gym and, and the training that we do there, it's really um, interesting to see how much it can change people's lives. You know, we've seen people that have come through our door that met at the gym and now they're married, right? They've got kids on the way, that kind of stuff. We see people that come through the gym when, you know, I've had clients that have come in their 60s and 70s that, you know, could not walk very well, couldn't get up and down stairs very well. And, you know, now they're deadlifting 100 pounds and they could do these things that they never thought they'd be able to do at their age. Um, so that type of stuff is incredibly inspiring and it's what makes me want to continue to do more and more. What does success look like in terms of coaching how do you determine whether or not you've done right by your client i think a lot of that just depends on um, who you're asking right so if you're asking the client it could be whatever metric they kind of started out training with in their mind right so if, if you're talking to them and saying what are your goals with your training and they say you know i want to deadlift 300 pounds well, you can pretty easily objectively measure that uh, and see the progress along the way. And one of the things I really do enjoy about CrossFit is it's taken a lot of the subjectivity out of fitness. Um, it's made it very measurable. It's made it very repeatable. It's made it very observable. Um, you know, we, we have ways of, of tracking all of these things to make sure that people are not just kind of spinning their wheels in the gym, which I think the average exerciser, that's probably the, the number one complaint you get is, you know, I've been a member of this gym for a year and I haven't made any progress, right? So from the objective side, there's a lot of uh, easy ways to measure it. But for me, I think it goes a little deeper. I really look at, am I making these people healthier and happier versions of themselves? And you know, what that is for each individual person will vary a bit. Um, you know, if I have a client who's 
older, they might not be chasing, you know, more weight or faster times on their workout, but they want to be able to maintain the level of activity that they have into their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they don't want to lose function, right? So getting them to be able to just continue to move and be able to, you know, chase their grandkids and stuff like that is just incredibly heartening to see. Um, you know, when you have younger athletes, I have, you know, athletes that lift in Olympic lifting, for example, that compete, you know, nationally and internationally. For them, you know, they have a competition in mind and they're, they're training for that. And we can't really guess how everybody else in that competition is going to do. But if, if they have it in their head of, you know, this is what I want to be able to achieve uh, and trying to help them towards those goals, you know, just seeing kind of the light in their eyes as they're working towards it and fulfilling it is, is really great. So it, it really just depends on how you measure it and who you're asking. And for me, I think as the years go on, the objective measurements of how much weight people are moving and things like that, they're important, but they're less important to me. I think it's more the deeper impact you have on people in terms of making them better people and trying to get kind of the nuance of using this thing to make people a little bit more empathetic, make people a little bit more self-aware, and make people really present and engaging with uh, the community around them. And that type of stuff has been incredibly powerful, especially in this last year and a half or so with COVID, seeing how that has played out. It's been really great. Yeah, COVID COVID's definitely made things uh, difficult. What kind of impact has it had on the gym and, and your community and the, the mentality of, of your members? You know, it's been interesting because we actually were moving our physical location. We had planned to do that and uh, we had signed the lease and everything was ready to go. And we were literally getting ready to move about a week before all the shutdowns happened here in Montgomery County. And that was uh, fortuitous in a lot of ways, actually, because we were able to take our time with the move instead of trying to, you know, get everything done in a week. I had about two and a half months to move the gym. And most of that was done after the initial, you know, moving of most of the equipment. Most of that was done primarily by me and my daughter, Ava. Um, And we were just kind of there every day chipping away at the work that had to be done, getting things organized. And it gave me like a real sense of this is our home. You know, this is our place. I want it to be perfect for when people come back. And meanwhile, we were offering remote programming. We were doing workouts outside. Um, You know, we were meeting at a middle school track and we were doing all kinds of stuff to keep everybody engaged. And it was a really unique time. Um, in the community because on top of COVID, there was, a, there was some unique challenges specific to CrossFit at that time where the previous owner, CEO of CrossFit, um, you know, said some pretty inflammatory things that were kind of flying in the face of a lot of the social justice stuff that was going on at the same time. So, you know, that kind of put a lot of things um, in a kind of a tenuous space And it really made me lean on um, a lot of the values that we had kind of expressed as a team. You know, me and my coaches had come together and said, this is really what we're about. 
And when you have those things kind of mapped out ahead of time, it makes your decision-making processes a lot easier. And, you know, it, it, it enabled us to really weather that storm really, really well. Uh, a lot of gyms have closed during COVID. It's been really unfortunate. I know a lot of personal friends that have lost their livelihood, um, you know, that they weren't able to sustain their business just because of, you know, rent and everything else. And, you know, the, the mathematics of it all is, is tough. But we've been incredibly fortunate because I think because of the type of way that we've run our gym from the beginning, the type of community that we've surrounded ourselves with, everybody really came together and uh, supported each other during that time to the point where we didn't really see a lot of um, a lot of reduction in revenue. People that were hit by, you know, a loss of a job or something like that, we would talk to them individually and say, hey, we got you, no worries, we'll take care of it until you're ready to come back. Um, but we're, we're very lucky that a lot of uh, – a lot of the people in our community were able to work remotely from home and do those types of things and, and stay with us. So they supported us, we supported them, and we made it through uh, really relatively unscathed. Um, it was challenging. It was mentally a little bit stressful, but we all things considered weathered it incredibly well. Sounds like you've built a very strong community, almost family, and a very – a deep mindset for uh, for everybody. It sounds like it's it's paying off quite well for you. Um, so it's, uh, definitely, it's definitely something that it takes time to build that kind of uh, camaraderie and that level of connection, and you can't fake it. You know, it's it's something that we've built over many years and. You know, we're, we're really blessed to just have the people around us that we do. Yeah. So as, as we uh, come to a close, do you have any advice for anybody looking to get involved in uh, martial arts and or CrossFit on a mental side? Oh, I think it's, it's really just a question of getting started. Um, you know, if you if you have the least inkling of a desire, the best thing you can do is is find a place that's offering what you're looking for and try it. And it may not be the first one, it might not be the tenth one that you try that is the one that works for you. But it's better to just get out there and experience as much as you can. Um, when it comes to kind of the mental side of it, I think it's a byproduct of consistency. So get yourself out there, you know allow yourself to be uncomfortable because that's where most of the growth happens and expose yourself to as many things as you can. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a short shelf life for most of our athletic endeavors and we can stretch it out as much as possible, but the sooner you get started, the longer you can enjoy it. So get out there and do it. I, I love that. I love the, the be, be comfortable being uncomfortable part. For Absolutely. sure. That, that's yeah. one of my favorite sayings. Um, now, before we leave, do you want to promote uh, Tough Temple at all? Tell us how we can Absolutely. find you. Absolutely. Uh, so you can find us online. Our website is toughtemple.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. It's tough.temple. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Pretty easy to find us there. And uh, we are located uh, in North Bethesda. 
feel free to stop by and see us anytime. We're happy to get anybody started on whatever journey they're looking for. Wonderful. John, it's been a pleasure. I'm uh, more than happy to have you on as the first guest and hopefully we can chat some more in the near future. Looking forward to it and congratulations on the podcast. I hope it does great things. Thank you. Thank you.